Before we continue, one of the ways we keep all of our content for you, the listener, free of charge is our amazing sponsors, and today, Anchor is one of those sponsors. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free, there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcasts right from your phone or computer. Anchor is going to distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and everywhere podcasts are listened to, and you can even make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Hey, buzzers. Welcome to the Arrow After Show. We have an extra, extra special episode for you and a great guest, so you're going to want to stay tuned. We are in season four, episode 22, Lost in the Flood. You're tuning into the destination for TV superfan discussion, After Buzz TV. And now, let the buzz begin. special guest and you heard me right we do have a special guest and by the end of this episode you will know how to or not maybe i don't know (laughs) my name is ali kona bradford be sure to follow me at boys and beauty and if you have questions for our guests you can definitely ask all you have to do is hit up the hashtag hashtag abtv arrow and join the conversation in the meantime i will introduce the rest of our panel or let them Introduce themselves. So I'm Lex Michael, all over social media at the Lex Michael, and I've always wanted to learn how to hi-ya, so I'm really excited. Cool. Nice. I'm Tari J. Miller. You can find me at Tari J. T-U-R-I-J-Y. Well, and I am Lucretia Lyon, and of course, anywhere on the internet, you can find me at L-A-C-R-E-T-I-A-L-Y-O-N, since there is only one. All right, that was a mouthful. Yeah. Um, okay, and Always. of course, like I said, special <laughs> guest we have with us today, James Bamford. Hello? Oh, he can't hear me. Hello, Sam. I can hear you. Okay, <laughs> there he is. So yeah, definitely make sure you tweet at us so you can ask your questions. But first, we will just talk about the episode. So let's talk about Damien Dark first and foremost. Um, his romance with Rouve, little creepy, just a little bit. It's sweet. They're such a cute couple. Yeah, mm. Damien's sad. Yeah, they're weird. They're weird. <laughs> they, they are weird. I don't. I go back and forth between being slightly touched by this this caring they do seem to have for each other, and just being abjectly horrified by both of them and everything they do and say. I mean, I love the the power couple thing though. Like, I think it. I, I couldn't imagine any other person for dark or any other person for Rouvain. Like, they're they're the best compliments to one another. Yeah, they're simpatico. They are. They're like the Brangelina of world ending evil. Yeah, yeah for yeah. sure. James, come. Oh, were you picking your nose, sir? <laughs> 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 I can. No, thank you. No, thank you. Um, no, they're uh, they're complete equals in their relationship, which is um, something I've always found uh, fantastic yeah, in the writing and in the performances. They both have each other's back, like one hundred percent. So there's no uh, the relationship isn't. Um, unevenly distributed as far as a power. Now is this, okay, so tonight when you watch the show, is that the first time you've seen it in completion or do you have a previewing since you're so involved in the creation of these shows? Uh, I've seen a director's cut. Ah, gotcha. Um, The director's cut isn't too uh, isn't too far off um, from the final cut. Uh, Glenn Winter, uh, the fabulous director of tonight's episode and many of our other great episodes <clears throat> through Arrow history um, tends to um, 
shoot it pretty close to the wire, uh, meaning uh, he uh, his cuts come in. Uh, if, if you know, uh, broadcast time is forty two minutes, um, and then uh, with commercials, and um, he comes in usually only a couple of minutes past that. So um, there's not much time to be cut out. And I believe uh, in this episode, he actually came in under. Oh. Um, nice. He, he cuts it, uh, he shoots it very tight. You can see his um, his style. Uh, he shoots a lot of oneers, <clears throat> which, which is also a favorite of, of mine. Um, he intros his scenes with a oneer. And he may or may not have coverage uh, as a bookend or somewhere in the middle of the scene, like a, an extra shot in there. But generally, he likes to play out his scenes uh, in one shot, which which I find um, incredibly intriguing. And I love watching Wonders. It's like going to a it's like going to a stage play and, and watching the whole scene play out. Well, you did that when you directed too, as well. The one huge fight scene that we saw earlier this season, right? Uh, uh, yes, I, I incorporated. I incorporated a couple of winners into my first episode, 407, and then I just went pretty much hog wild with them in episode 414. Nice. Uh, you know, I, I found my stride and and, um, and realized uh, pacing and and you know I learned a lot from my from shooting my first episode. Um, as I said, uh, um, pacing is very very important, especially on a broadcast a television show so of course. Uh, for my uh, second episode um, I was much more cognizant of, of um, the time involved uh, especially in a oneer mm-hmm. um, um, actors hitting marks um, and hitting hitting specific dialogue points and, and whatnot um, and uh, the pacing uh, of my second episode was was much much um, more urgent, um, not as urgent as this episode that you just saw, 422, which doesn't stop. Dude, there was a lot going on this episode. I will say, you know, going into the area of the stunts, there were so many explosions going on during this fight, and I was just curious, like, how many takes do you guys have when you're doing something like that? Is it something where you gotta get it right the first time because there's all this rubble falling, (laughs) or you actually have the opportunity to do it more than once? Uh, it depends. Uh, it depends on several aspects. It depends on uh, if there's uh, special effects involved, explosions, uh, rubble, that sort of thing. Um, uh, again, I don't want to uh, keep bringing up the other episode, but my own experience, um, for instance, 414, uh, Katie Cassidy and Paul Blackthorne um, evading the falling rubble. Um, Shot in the uh, in the uh, basement of the abandoned hotel, uh, we had, and that was a oneer with a lot of special effects, a lot of explosions, a lot of rubble happening, and we had one take. So wow, um, uh, you have to you're either taking a chance with with things like that uh, because there's no resetting, um, or you shoot what I did in that particular just with a shot close-ups as well with a lot of smoke and whatnot just in case I needed something to cut away to uh, if the uh, special effects uh, went awry. Mm-hmm. Um, in uh, particular, in, in Glenn's episode here in 422, 
um, uh, near the end when when our heroes are battling anarchy and the whole room is blowing up around them and and uh, and the ceilings dropping and that sort of thing um, when those big giant ceiling um, pieces dropped and they're very heavy uh, we had one take uh, each time we did that so wow. we had to be very prepared to you know move on so yeah. uh, w- what we do is just rehearse a lot before we roll the camera and then um, cross our fingers yeah <laughs> uh, well let's talk about anarchy just a little bit mm-hmm. um, he's over excessive with the use of the word mommy first so the, of all the mommy thing is, is super weird but I am I was really glad to see him take a more active role in the proceedings and I wasn't sure they, they kept him around he wasn't uh, offed or he didn't recede into the wilderness at the end of the last episode so I assumed that he would be showing up in some capacity but it was really nice to see him as involved as he was. The mommy thing, though, weird. It yeah. was Very cute creepy. in a Ted Bundy way, though. No, it was. <laughs> it was the cute in the least. But I was actually glad that he finally, somebody got rid of Rouvet. Mm. She was getting my last nerve, guys. So the, the thought that I had about Rouvet being taken out the way she was is, on the one hand, yeah, that's probably for the best. She was trying to facilitate the deaths of a lot of people. But on the other hand, I really wanted to see... Now the final showdown is obviously with Damien Dark. There was a part of me that was hoping because they are such equals and they are this evil power couple, I wanted to see it be the two of them versus everybody else in yeah. this final showdown. So I was... It it makes sense, and I, I understand why and this was Rave's time, unfortunately. And, of course, it puts Damien in a f- far more aggressive, angry, oh, yeah. vengeful place going into the finale. But I was. I was a little sad to see her go. Um, you know, actually, I will say this. So, so, Anarchy, when he was fighting, he had the nunchucks, right? No, he had no. the uh, he had the three sectional uh, oh, staff, which okay. is That's amazing. It, yeah, because <laughs> um, one of our our followers was asking her question to you was, how do you pick your weapon of choice for some of these characters? Do you, or are you just told this is what this character has? Work with it. No, I, I generally do for um, uh, for most of the characters. Uh, I work very closely with the props department, and when a new character is introduced, or when say uh, last season there was quite a few different swords mm-hmm. uh, it was quite a season of, of sword work so mm-hmm. uh, whenever a new sword um, would make an appearance uh, the prop department and myself would uh, get together and go through several different swords and, and I would uh, I, I generally try to choose a weapon that suits the character suits okay. the size, the strength, the ability um uh, the three-section staff was actually, when Anarchy originally appeared um, on our show, was actually scripted. Oh, okay. Mm. Um, mm. Just the the um, transference, um, the transformation from the baton to the three-sectional staff wasn't made um, incredibly clear to begin with, and it's uh, very expensive to um, to accomplish with with uh, visual effects, of course. Um, which we can't afford to do every time, so so I devised a way to uh, essentially hide the the other sections um, before it opens, and you see this um, dramatic um, opening and spinning. Nice, mm. interesting. Cool. And of course, uh, my um, fight choreographer assistant, and well, additional fight choreographer when I'm directing, and and uh, when the work is spread out, you know, we're spread very thin at times. Uh, Curtis Brackenier. 
uh, is also our anarchy stunt double, who oh, cool. uh, uh, can do some very amazing things with uh, spinning that staff. So nice, as uh, well as Alex Calvert, he's incredibly talented as well. Sweet. I was just gonna say, like, I, I, a few episodes ago, were singing the praises of the sectional staff. So, I mean, if anarchy, anarchy decides to have some disciples, I mean, I'd love a whole bunch of people. <laughs> just waving them all over the place. Yeah, you know, no one can walk around because the air is full of staff sections, <laughs> yes. and then they just start linking them together. It's like an eighteen sectional staff with like five people manning them. I'm just saying, it's an idea. <laughs> uh, a lot of space um, for that thing to spread out. Uh, you need the set has to be large or fight outdoors. Oh, yeah, sure. Mm. Oh. So something I wanted to ask because we're talking about how you select different weapons for different characters based on what seems most appropriate to who they are. Does that extend as well to the fighting styles of individual characters, and how do you go about making some of those decisions? Yeah, uh, definitely, definitely. Um, it depends. Uh, the first, uh, the first thing it comes down to character uh, development. So uh, where, and one of the things I always ask. Um, our writers and our creators is, is where where did this, when we have a new character, uh, where did this person come from? Who did they train with? Um, what region um, of the globe oh, are cool. they from? Wow. Um, so in case there is any opportunities to, to utilize um, um, some sort of uh, cultural um, uh, weaponry that would be, you know, that would be available to them um, from their part of the world. Um, you can see um, different um, cultural influences in, in, in different uh, character weapons. I love that you guys really do your homework, which is fantastic because I'm sure if somebody from that region also were to be watching, they'd be quick to call you out if something was not accurate, right? Exactly, exactly. We do take creative license, so um, we don't like to 100% um, copy. We like to be fairly original if we can or if we can afford to build um, an original prop, we will. Um, if we uh, if we have to go with something off the shelf um, that's been that's been made. Obviously, we need um, to build safe props as well. Uh, mo most of our uh, most of our, our, our swords um, in general uh, also are made. There is a um, bamboo version, mm -hmm. and they're painted, and they look like steel, which you probably can't tell. Um, our props department does a does a fantastic job for us, and that's where you get. Um, in our sword exchanges, that's where you'll get that speed. Um, ah, that makes sense. It's a technique uh, utilized in Hong Kong, um, or has been for many, many, many years, um, and that I adopted, well, also many, many years ago. And um, Whenever I go into a production and there's uh, sword work to be done, I have them uh, make a bunch of bamboo versions as well. Hmm. Nice. One, it's a lot safer, although getting hit in the head with the with a chunk of bamboo. I didn't feel good. Painful, <laughs> but it hurts a lot less than steel. So, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Doesn't tend to, uh, doesn't tend to slice you open. It just leaves like, you know. Just a big welt. 
No big deal. Bruised. Whatever. <laughs> Who cares? But you look so tough with it. Yeah, there you go. There you go. I always I always appreciate a good war wound. You know? Yeah, this, this was my sword <laughs> yeah. fighting well yes. that I got. Yeah. Oh, yeah. speaking of, okay, so I did go, so I was talking to James via mm-hmm. Twitter, right? And I was asking him about different classes mm-hmm. to take because I told him I wanted to be a badass too. <laughs> so he recommended this place called Jam. I've taken five classes so far. Done the tumbling, the parkouring, and... Um, Cinematic martial arts. So I took my parkouring class. Mm-hmm. There were a few times that me and the entire obstacle just went to the ground. Like I took it with me. It was awesome. We tumbled, and then I had these really cool bruises on my on my uh, shoulders, and I was just like, "Yeah, look at this. See, look, I'm <laughs> you feel so good when you get a bruise, you know." Anyway. <laughs> Yeah, your face right now. <laughs> well, like, you break something. Um, hmm? Yeah. Yeah. Anyways. Yeah, that makes you feel like you're alive. Yeah, you know? <laughs> There's Anyways. always going to be a learning curve for yeah, something like you know? that, I imagine. Yeah, yeah, you know? Pull, pull, pull the muscle in, the, in my hip. And I was like, oh, God. But anyways, everything's great. Everything's fantastic. I'm going back. <laughs> yep, badass. Uh, Just like him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway. I have, uh, I have actual, actually uh, dual hip replacement. So, wow. Um, both my hips are titanium. So, um, oh. So you're a Terminator. Yeah. He's, part, okay. he's at least part um, cyborg. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Um, yeah. So, so to be honest, uh, if, if you're looking at um, wanting a career in stunts, you have that to look forward to. Awesome. Um, and uh, just, yeah. That's but a- uh, uh, there's not a day that goes by that I don't think it was worth it. So. That's awesome. I yeah. mean, you are truly living your dream and doing something that you enjoy for a living, and I think that's just so amazing. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's rare, you know. Um, um, you talk to a lot of people uh, who aren't happy in their careers and um, that aren't doing something creative or, or um, something that they're passionate about, you know, period. It doesn't have to be something creative. Um, people can be passionate about Accounting, if, if if that's your thing, you know. Mm-hmm. My cousin uh, actually is an accountant, and she just <laughs> loves numbers. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I I don't get it myself. It's not my thing. Different strokes, <laughs> right? Yeah. So yeah. as long as you can find something that um, tickles your fancy, then um, you're winning. You know. Yeah. Exactly. But it is. I mean, that's that is passion and that is commitment mm-hmm. to love something so intensely that you will literally put your body on the line to do this thing that feeds you. That's really really cool. If provided you can do it safely and your body doesn't completely deteriorate on you, that's that level of passion and commitment is that not the goal? I feel like that's what everybody wants on some level. And yeah, like you say, for some people it's accounting. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Well, there is a there's a 100% um, injury rate with stunt performers. So sure. Mm-hmm. It's one of those jobs you're guaranteed um, that some part of your body, if you do it for a for a long period of time, some part of your body will wear out. I mean, you're a professional athlete, like a um, football player, basketball player, boxer, uh, you name it. Um, those parts, you know, whatever they are, they move. There's wear and tear on them, and they're going to strain, bruise, break, um, you name it. 
You know, actually, I wanted to ask you, because we all know via Twitter and via YouTube and everything else that Stephen Amell really loves his stunts. He loves doing the parkouring and all that stuff, and more power to him for being that dedicated to his character. At what point on set do you tell Stephen, you know what, buddy, I think you're going to have to sit this one out? Uh, that's a hard one. Um, Steven wants to be involved uh, in every stunt, in every way, shape, or form. Um, um, obviously, uh, he can't be there 24 hours a day, and, and we have a shooting schedule and that sort of thing. But when it comes down to it, um, it becomes a, a safety call um, or an insurance, um, an insurance call. Um, there are certain things that uh, the studio and, and our insurers, carriers, just won't allow actors to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's when uh, we, uh, we require stunt double. But um, if Steven had his way, Steven would do 100% of absolutely everything. Wow. He's a very gifted athlete. He learns um, fight choreography very quickly. Nice. Um, and uh, he's only, I mean, we started training together uh, during the pilot, and that was the first time he'd thrown a punch, essentially. Huh. Um, and uh, he's just hes just remarkable. He's a remarkable athlete, and um, just a pleasure to work with that way. Um, and, you know, a, as a director as well, um, acting-wise, he's also very giving, and um, he has a very adaptive style. Um He's very open um, to suggestions, and he knows his character better than anyone. Um, oh, that's amazing. As you know, mm-hmm. he, he's the keeper of the continuity on set, um, quite often more so um, than our script supervisors, uh, than our continuity um, folks. Uh, Steven knows every scar, every battle, every experience that Oliver Queen has gone through, and he can quote you... Um, episode five in season two. Uh, <laughs> Fifteen minutes into the episode, um, a fly landed on me and shit. Just as an example, but just as an example to demonstrate, he knows. Uh, you know, he goes into that much detail, and he knows better than anybody um, where, what, when, how um, his character is has was should be um wow. uh, he's got a he's got a great mind for for detail wow that's fantastic is there anybody on on cast that has surprised you outside of steven but obviously a lot of our cast members are fighters uh, and they have their doubles as well but as far as jumping into things whether it's been katie cassidy or anybody in particular that you're like wow i didn't see that one coming and you're amazing uh, Katie, well, on the on the on the um, on the topic of Katie, rest in peace, um, <laughs> or, or Laurel. Uh, that girl, when she uh, was told that she was to become Black Canary, she embraced it with every fiber of her being, and she got in the gym and started training uh, boxing. Um, Weights, anything she could get her hands on, sometimes twice a day. Um, you could see in, in season three this incredible transformation um, in her body, mm-hmm. and her musculature, and how strong she got. She 
worked her butt off um, to get there. Um, I think the first training, I did this with Willa as well, the, uh, the, the first training um, we had uh, that I had with Katie, um, I told her to go out and get herself a mouth guard. She was like, what? Why would I do that? Um, I said, we're going to spar. Um, one of the main uh, one of the main details that I like to um, teach the actors, I mean, just to begin with, I, they don't have to become uh, actual combat ready or, or you know, fighters. They just have to look like it on, on screen. But uh, I like to give them a bit of a taste of it to begin with. So um, I like to do a little bit of sparring just so they know what it's like to actually hit somebody. And you beat them up a little bit, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, no, I, um, I just like to, I like to be safe. So um, I like them to bring a mouth guard and that sort of thing. Um, uh, I let them hit me a fair amount. Um, most people, you know, most normal people haven't punched anyone in the face for real. Um, they may have hit a bag. They may have hit some hand pads. I've taken kickboxing, which means they've just hit some hand pads. Um, if you haven't really connected with um, another human being's face, you've not boxed or kickboxed. Um, so I like them to have that experience, even mm -hmm. if it's once. Um, and uh, and then I also like to give them a little taste of what it's like to be hit as well, because being a fighter doesn't just mean you're dishing out, absolutely, uh, you know, a whooping to um, left, right, and center to random people. You have to be able to take it as well, and that's that's a big part of of being a fighter is getting back up, um, yeah. which which is demonstrated uh, in our show as well. Um, yeah, and I like that too. And say I like that we're not watching a show where constantly you just see Oliver and his team winning, win after win after win. There is defeat in there as well too. Yeah, of course. Yeah, if anything, it's more as bad things keep happening to these poor people. <laughs> That's true. That is true. That is true. Um, really quick, what are some of the people in the hashtag saying? If you could take a peek at that for me, Lucretia, that would be awesome. Just so we can involve other people in our conversation. Um, but also, too, I want to make sure we do cover a little bit of this episode as well. Um, I do want to talk about Felicity, her father, and her mother. Because there was that whole side story going on with Noah and Felicity having this dad moment and Donna getting jealous. Now, do you guys feel like, in the end, when Donna told Mr. Dad that you need to leave, was it in part her own selfishness and jealousy or do you really think inside in her gut she felt like this dude is bad news and he hasn't changed I'm going to say both and oh. I think too it's key that we got the, the revelation finally for Donna that her daughter has been working with the Green Arrow so her daughter has also been in her eyes keeping something pretty big from her and then when she sees Felicity and Noah what looks very much like they're bonding it probably freaks her out a little bit because she I'm sure she feels a little bit of jealousy as far as that relationship goes but also for sure I mean the dude is the dude's a criminal well, wait till she finds out that Oliver's the Green Arrow <laughs> right well then, then I'm also going so she also essentially lied to her daughter and let her daughter believe that that Noah had left when, in fact, she took her daughter and left him. And I really appreciate it's the second time in a couple weeks where Donna has said or done something that read to me almost as a little hypocritical, but in a way that I appreciated because it gave her character a lot more color and a couple of new layers. Right. 
Yeah. Speaking of hypocrite, that makes mm-hmm. Felicity a hypocrite because she used to get mad at Oliver for keeping secrets mm-hmm. to protect people. And there she is lying to her mother. Oh, yeah. Boom. This is a wonderful mm-hmm. cast of lovable hypocrites. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I like that Curtis points that out, that yes. she's essentially a mirror image of what her mom is trying to portray. Yeah. Yeah, how awesome was it to see Curtis and the Smoke family? I love how she came home and saw him just drinking a beer, laying back, because her parents are fighting. Yeah. <laughs> well, Curtis yeah. has always had this awesome quirkiness yeah. to him, but I feel like he also, too, has become the com- comedic relief. Before, yeah. it was Felicity, but now she's wrapped up in her own situation, so now we have Curtis to do that. There was also a very, very small moment tonight, and it was when, I believe, Donna was going in to hug Felicity really aggressively, and she grabs the beer Curtis has and takes a sip really fast. Mm-hmm hands it back to him, and it looks very much mm-hmm. like the handoff, it got back into Curtis's hand, but it felt like the actors had a slight, they just slightly missed each other's hands, and so the handoff was a little awkward, and it felt really weird and human and and natural, and I don't know, really tiny, tiny detail that I enjoyed. <laughs> yeah, okay. they have such great sibling chemistry, it's almost, since he was so involved in this, and yeah, like you say, I agree that about Donna. Yeah, I think that and I think that there's more to what Noah did other than hacking and gambling and all this. Like, he he may have been violent at some point. Because to yeah, me, the I way know she really looked, did. yeah, what else is there? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, this is totally left no. wing here, but mm. I do want to bring up Malcolm's hand. Just a little bit. It was fabulous. Which is, it was very fabulous. Very I fabulous. I love the design of this. And I love Can't that they don't address, do like, I got a new <laughs> hand. And he just suddenly has, a, like, yeah. a Sauron glove. And we were watching, and I think we all had the same reaction when we first saw him, because he's got the sword on his belt. And so, obviously, he's resting his hand comfortably on the top of the hilt of his sword, but the positioning of it just makes him look like he's ultra sassy at all times. (laughs) I'm pretty sure that had to be Barman's, you know, idea, to be sassy all the time. I'm like, now we need a new toy with the sassy hand. (laughs) Make it happen. So, uh, James, did you have anything to do with the design of the sassy hand? Mm -hmm. Was that you at all? No, definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> that was, uh, I stay away from sassy as much as I can. Um, that was our profit. <laughs> <laughs> How's it been working with John? I hear he's quite the uh, joker. Hard. Huh? Hard, is that what you said? Hard. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, John is, um, you know, actually as a stunt coordinator and, and as a director, John is incredibly professional. He's um, really formally trained. Um, really? Uh, yes, uh, in the UK. And uh, he's one of those guys that just says, you know, if if you don't like what I do, just tell me. Just tell me it looks ridiculous and I'll change it. Um, he doesn't mind criticism. He actually asks for it. He wants to hear uh, from you if um, you're not enjoying you know his performance whatsoever, and he likes you to be blunt as blunt as possible. <laughs> um, but of course, uh, he's usually like bang on. Um, he's you know uber talented as well, and uh, he's been doing this for quite some time. I don't know if you've seen any of his uh, stage show. I mean, I've seen mm. him ice skate. I've seen him be a drag queen. I've seen him sing <laughs> and dance and do everything else. So yeah. He's, he's, he's a unicorn. That, he's doing that pretty much continually in between takes, um, show tunes, and uh, you name it. So he's sort of a sort of like Robin Williams, actually. Um, he's like a one man show, just con- 
on a continual loop, just oh. going and going and going and going. It's hilarious. <laughs> well, yeah. now, will he be fighting any time in the near future? I mean, I know you can't really tell us too much about what's going on in the season finale, but I did notice this time around a fight started, and then he's like, gotta go, and he ran around the corner. I went, oh, mm-hmm. there he goes. <laughs> yeah, it seems to me he's sort of trying to stay out of having to um, have anything to do with fighting the team mm-hmm. as, as much as he's you know, joined the other team, um, if you will, he still, you know, appears to have a, a soft spot for his daughter. And, and I mean, let's face it, he did watch, no matter if it's his mortal em- enemy or, or what, he did watch Oliver grow up. <clears throat> and, oh, that's uh, a good point. Was, hmm. You know, he was his son's best friend. Um, so that's what I always sort of go to um, just as a father myself, or you know, and I've got a twenty. Oh, she just turned twenty-three last week. Year-old daughter, as well as a two-year-old, and I've seen her friends since she was four years old. She's had the same friends grow up, and now they're these these women. And I couldn't, you know, whenever I look at them, I see these little kids still. You know, I see these four-year-old kids, so. Uh, to me, when uh, Malcolm looks at Oliver, even when he looks at him in the Green Arrow uh, outfit, he sees this little boy that used to play with his son. That is such an excellent point that I never Mm -hmm. thought of. I did notice, though, I did make the connection that he never really truly was hurting them at any point, even though he was, like you said, on the other team. Uh, And I'm sure he already knew, because when he was having the conversation with Rouvet down the street, and she had found out that, what, the green hood and the black... Helmet. Helmet, Mm -hmm. there we go, showed up. And he's like, oh yeah, well it's probably because at the end, well, you created that mess, fix it. But I'm sure he had to know that that was going to happen anyways. He's not stupid. They do always tend to show up. Yeah. 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 I don't know. What they do, it's their show. That's the point. We're going to sit this one out. What the fuck are you doing here? You know, or, well, I guess Adam has showed up on our show. I guess they've all showed up on our show, so you wouldn't go, what the fuck are you doing here? You'd go, oh, hey, welcome back. Yeah. Now go back to your own show. Yeah. Get out. Get out. What's up? Now, do you... Okay, so when they do the crossovers, are you choreograph... Who who choreographs that then? Yeah, that depends on what's going on. I mean, traditionally, what's happened, um, the first crossover we had was on Flash. Um, So it was uh, Arrow versus Flash. And so I would choreograph that fight. And then I would go... I mean, we'd work on Arrow all day. And then we'd go over to Flash or shoot all night. Um that's what we did the first couple seasons with with crossovers um but arrow is still so incredibly busy um it's just it it has become too much so uh we'll exchange ideas um we have another team on flash we have another team on legends um even on i mean on this episode alone on glenn's episode there was one day we almost had three units going where we had like three different stunt coordinators wandering around. Oh, wow. Oh, there's stuff going on over there. Quick, run over there. We're going to blow that shit up. You go over there. I'm going to fight over there. You go over there. You know? Uh-huh. Um, just to be able to get... You, yeah, I mean, you saw the sheer volume of what's going on in the episode. So it <clears throat> it depends on 
primarily scheduling. So, mm-hmm. like I said, before I used to be able to. Now there's three shows going and, and well, four now with Supergirl. So it's impossible to be in all those places at once. It's just impossible. We, we, we wanted to keep, you know, um, sort of... Uh, Involvement in in all the shows and and sort of have uh, me somewhat start them off with with the the fighting styles and make sure they're on the right path. Um, of course, Supergirl was done in LA, so I you know I wasn't involved. Um, but with Legends in the beginning and with Flash in the beginning, and then and then we go off and I go back to Arrow and uh, the team that's um, over there. It's over on Flash and it's over on Legends. Are you know self-sufficient and they and they run you know their own. They're all very talented stunt coordinators and, and fight uh, choreographers in their own right. Um, but still, you know, every once in a while I'll go over with you know Stevens going over there. I'll go over and make every I'm sure everything's all right and, and uh, uh, make sure his you know his style and, and his uh, uh, prowess is serviced properly. Mm-hmm. Uh, even if I'm not. Particularly choreographing um, the, the moments myself, uh, we'll have discussions about it with the other guys, and just you know make sure that make sure that he's looked after and, and the continuity of his character is, is maintained. Cool. Um, really quick, so Lucretia, I want to hop in the hashtag again. Make sure we're involving anybody. Anything going on in there that we want to talk about? Um, yeah, we actually have a couple questions on the hashtag. Basically, he wants uh, arrow t- at arrow TV underscore wants to know: Were you able to utilize the things uh, that you learned in Thailand at the Muay Thai camp on the show? <laughs> at arrow TV. Mm-hmm. Um. Uh, yeah, many times, many times. I went. That was two. Years ago, um, at the end of season two, uh, I went to first Hong Kong, spent some time with uh, Selena Jade and and her uh, fiance, who was Shadow on our show. She found out I was going to Thailand to train, and she said, you can't go there without stopping in and saying hi to me in Hong Kong. So I'm like, okay. Um, And she introduced me to Tony Ja while I was there um, of Ambok fame. And... uh, he was uh, working with Jackie Chan's old uh, stunt team um, on a film called SPL2. So I stopped by there and I went to the fight rehearsals and, and um, just had a great old time. And uh, then went on to Thailand and trained for three weeks a month in a Muay Thai camp for about six days a week. And uh, yeah, uh, between those two experiences, I've, uh, I've utilized... How old were you? I'm sorry. How old were you when you started training? Originally? Yeah. Oh, um, I got karate lessons, karate lessons. I started in a Japanese style, uh, Shorokan and Shorinji Kempo Karate, and then um, Filipino Eskrima, blah, 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 blah. I could go on. But uh, I started when I was about eight, eight or nine. <laughs> a long time ago. Nice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Are you saying I'm old? Oh no 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 no! no, no. I mean, like that's just like yeah. No, I'm old. I'm 49. Oh. Well, you look good. Fighting has kept you young and youthful. I moisturize. Okay, mm-hmm. yeah. sunscreen and moisture, guys. Okay. Um, anyway, do we have any other questions for him before we keep on and moving? 
Let's see. I will say somebody t- took note of Damien Dark's daughter. We haven't talked about her. I think she's secret- secretly cre- creepy. It runs in the genes. Yeah, they keep calling her Wednesday Adams. Yes. Yeah. 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 What her name is. What is it? Her name is Tuesday. There you go. Oh, wow. <laughs> really? That makes a lot of sense. There you How go. How funny. That's great. How Tuesday funny. Dark. That's <laughs> <laughs> So yeah. I have a I have a question if we don't have one immediately in the chat because we're mm-hmm. talking about your background and how you started taking uh, karate lessons when you were when you were quite young. How does that passion uh, for for martial arts, for example, and this this natural inclination you have towards athleticism, how does that eventually become a career for you? Like when does that happen? Uh, when I was a kid, um, before I started martial arts, uh, I used to watch a lot of really cheesy shows on TV with my dad, um, like uh, Lee Majors films, like uh, <laughs> Six Million Dollar Man, Yes, um, and of course Charlie's Angels, and <laughs> The Fall Guy, and um, that sort of thing, and I used to ask my dad, like, Dad, how does he jump so high? Dad, oh, blah, blah, and he would say, that's not him, that's a stunt, <laughs> and I'd be like, I want to be that! Um, and that was, you know, very, very early on. And uh, I, I had a choice when I was around eight or nine to, I was going to join a football team um, or start uh, martial arts. And uh, I was playing basketball at lunch and I went for a jump shot, ended up spraining my ankle really badly and I couldn't run. So football got thrown out the window. So my parents said, well, you're going to do this instead. And um, I got put into a, a wonderful karate club, and um, which was a launching point for many other martial arts uh, training. And uh, that's basically what got me started. And, you know, you start competing in martial arts. Um, I got into full contact later and was kickboxing and, you know, um, was knocking people out and getting knocked out, you know, um, once. Uh, but uh, and then eventually um, I was a uh, juvenile corrections officer wow and while I was doing that um, I got a call from my sensei my my karate instructor uh, for many years and somebody had called him and they were looking for a six foot tall Caucasian 170 pound that was a long time ago uh, martial artist that could do tricks you know kick cigarettes out of people's mouths and and, you know do flying sidekicks over many people and all this sort of stuff and so um, uh, they had us put it was a stunt coordinator at the time which I had no idea what that was I was early 20s and um uh, we put some stuff on tape, my, my instructor and I, um, on VHS back then, mm-hmm. and uh, sent it to the stunt coordinator, and I got a phone call, and uh, it was for a TV series called Cobra. Um, <laughs> Michael, Michael Dudikoff was the uh, actor. Um, you may know him from the American Ninja or other classic <laughs> Um And uh, they needed a stunt double for him. And... Um, so they called me and said, are you the guy on this tape? I went, yes. They said, come here and prove it. So I went to Vancouver. I was living in Victoria at the time. And I went to Vancouver and did basically a live um, demonstration, an audition, if you will. And they were like, oh, great. What are you doing tomorrow? And I said, uh, well, I'm just going to go home. 
They said, no, you have a place to stay. I was like, no. And they said, stay at my place. Um, uh, you're working tomorrow, and I need you to choreograph a fight, by the way, because I'm not a martial artist. Oh, okay. My first day on set, I choreographed a uh, two or three-on-one fight against me, and um, that was the beginning. Nice. <laughs> Very cool. So yeah. you didn't choose it. It chose you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was very, very fortunate, uh, extremely fortunate. And luckily, I had performed a lot. Um, and when I say perform, uh, like as in a show, not just fought, um, you know, practically, I'd performed a lot in, in you know, um, live shows that we used to do with our with our club um, on stages and whatnot, at schools, at fairs, um, and that sort of thing. So I was used to an audience and, you know, um, uh, Stunts is really is a performance sport. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's part performance and part professional sports. So it's a really strange combination. Um, uh, Atlin Mitchell, one of our one of our fantastic uh, stunt performers, she uh, her background is is um, Cirque du Soleil. Oh, cool! And she was a, a very high level gymnast um, previous to that as well. So um, you know, stunt people come from you know all walks of life. Uh, but generally, in some, they come from some high form of uh, athleticism. Huh. Well, speaking of high form of athleticism, there was a transformation this evening mm-hmm. with <laughs> Tiana. Ah, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's my. Yeah, thank you, thank you. <laughs> the, the transformation uh, from can't take bullets in the torso and live to can take bullets well, in the torso yeah, and live. That, that yeah, was, that definitely happened. Uh, and along with the mental transformation as well, because now she's a little, right. little she's cuckoo. Great. Yeah. Great. Mm-hmm. yeah. She's drunk on power. <laughs> there magic, you go. That's a great description. <laughs> That's a great description mm-hmm. of it. Oh, I thought lizard you... eyes. Yeah. Does that every time. What happened? What? What? She got the lizard eyes. Oh, yeah, lizard, lizard eyes. Yeah. yeah, no big deal. It's sexy. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It's how I get all my dates. Yeah, some people actually buy contacts so their eyes they, look like they that. Really do. It's, it's they a really thing. Do. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I'm interested to see what the connection will be because obviously we have these two stories that are constantly paralleling. And, you know, we have a combat between coming up, I assume, with her and Ryder for this idol. And then also, we didn't hear much about the idol this episode in terms of Damien Dark. We know that he got a lot stronger. He dissolves arrows and repels bullets and all this stuff. But,. Also, at the same time, too, none of that really matters when you have a broken heart. And now that wifey is out of the picture, he just wants everybody dead. So, you know. Yeah. Okay, she's got a daughter. Um, I felt... um, I felt... I felt very bad. I mean, I was there, obviously, when um, Ruve was killed. And I felt bad because Janet Kidder, the actress who plays Ruve, is such a wonderful person and (laughs) such a talent as well. And she plays that part, you know. Well, very well. She, yeah, she's she was the right person for the job. Um, and also, as a parent, all I can think of is, oh, the poor kid. Yeah, but that poor kid's probably somewhere inside, very, very evil. That's my prediction. Mm. Just saying. <laughs> you mean she's really it's like yeah it's a bummer it's horrible yeah. the, the thought of this kid having to grow up without one or both parents but when it's those parents I'm going maybe she's better if she, now maybe becoming a child of the system is foster not a great home. thing mm-hmm. right but better foster home yeah might mm-hmm. be they might be nicer at the very least not genocidal yeah <laughs> 
that's that is a problem. Yeah, genocide, no good. No, no so bueno, not so bueno. Yeah. And obviously, he comes back and he's ready to bring hell to us. <laughs> so, um, you know, and the thing is, too, is I actually read some interviews that Stephen Amell had done because they had asked him, I don't know if I mentioned this last episode, but how would you describe the season finale? And his description was, where did everybody go? And we saw at the end of this episode, the explosions from down under affected ab- above because there was a big hole in the ground. I'm just wondering if that just means a whole lot of stuff is about to crumble to the ground and everybody goes their separate ways. I don't know. I'm looking at James, who might know the answer. (laughs) More bad stuff Mm. will happen to these poor people. Yeah. I do know the answer. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, and I'm not going to tell you. He likes his job way too much. Yeah. (laughs) Well, it's funny. A lot of people in the chat are asking about the movie that's in the background of your screen. And, And since you did tell us it was seven earlier... Uh, which is not a martial arts movie, but it does prompt me to ask a question that was a recent news article about Kevin Smith possibly coming over to uh, Arrow with Onomatopoeia and being more of like a Seven-esque episode. So is that a possibility for next season? Couldn't tell you. (laughs) (laughs) There's a a secret... um... There is a secret director's list that goes around. Mm-hmm. Not secret. Um, and uh, directors are proposed and um, they need they you know, they get approved by the network and, and everyone. And uh, I myself have not seen that list. Mm. Um, but I do know that I will be directing again next Yay! Season. Congrats. Nice. Cool. Mm-hmm. And um, and an interesting episode or two. Um, uh, the movie in the back right now is The Raid. Ah, oh, right. so good. So that actually prompted yeah. a question that I wanted yeah. to ask you. And I wanted to ask because I'm going to jump back a second. It was interesting a little while ago to hear you describe your experience directing 407 as such a, a learning experience for you. My experience watching that episode specifically was, especially when you get to that really long fight sequence at the end. And I, I promise you, I'm not just saying this because we're talking to you right now. I said it when we talked about it right after we it aired. We holy shitting all over the place. It is. It is <laughs> Uh, among, if not the best uh, conceived and executed fight sequence that I have seen on television, period. So I wanted to ask you, because you're clearly so enthusiastic, because I feel like you can't create something like that unless, yes, you, you've got to be very capable and knowledgeable, but you have to put your whole heart into it. I assume, correct me if I'm wrong, that you're a big fan of you're watching The Raid so you must be a big fan Mm -hmm. of movies of that ilk and I wanted to know if somebody were to ask you really quick like off the top of your head a couple of movies fairly recent that you would go to that you think are sort of the the creme de la creme of action cinema right now what would you tell people? Uh, Yeah, The Raid The Raid That's about about four years old now Uh, The Raid 2 I enjoyed I liked the first one better Um, SPL 2 that Film I was discussing. Uh, I was attend. I attended the rehearsals when I was in Hong Kong. Uh, that's a Donnie Yen. Sorry, not Donnie Yen. Tony Jaw and um, Wu Jing uh, film. Not Donnie Yen. Sorry. Uh, Ip Man. Ip Man Three came out. Uh, I didn't like as much as the first one. Uh, I didn't like the second one as much as the first one either. 
but uh, pretty much anything with Donnie Yen in it. Um, you know what I really enjoyed and uh, and uh, recently, which was uh, Civil War. Yes. yes. Yeah. As you brought up the raid, that there's that mm. fight sequence on the stairwell that feels very, very raid inspired to me. In Civil War. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. There. Um, you'll find a lot of um, raid inspired. Oh sure. <laughs> these days. Uh, but I mean, when it comes down to it, I mean, I've been watching. My mother uh, worked for a cablevision company um, when I was a kid, so we had access to international satellite um, uh, films, television from all over the world. If, if you know, we wanted, you know, for free. It, it's one of the perks of of uh, having a job at a, a cablevision company. But it was a small local cablevision company. It wasn't a big deal, but. I, of course, when I was a kid, loved Jackie Chan films. I loved Jet Li movies. I loved Bruce Lee movies. Um, so I've been watching these films since I was, like I said, I'm 49, um, since I was in, well, young, <laughs> uh, since I can get my hands on, on um, Hong Kong martial arts movies. So um, what I always like to say is, a punch is a punch and a kick is a kick. Sure. Everything, everything's been done. Um, the human body only has two hands, two legs, unless you're a mutant. Yeah, right. But uh, the human body only has two hands, two legs, two elbows, two knees, head. You know, you have so many weapons. Um, everything's been done at this point. Um, by now, uh, the combination thereof um, with, you know, acrobatics, depending on what it is, depending on the character or the genre. Um, it's how you shoot it and how you go about shooting it. Mm-hmm. Um, how you how you uh, display the martial arts, how you display the fight sequence, um, is really the difference. And and I think that's what if you enjoyed, um, as you're saying, you enjoyed uh, uh, 407 and you enjoyed the the uh, one or the. Um, the elevator fight, particularly. Yes. Yeah. Um, it's uh, and you can clearly see Thea in there. Um, you can you can see the combatants enter the elevator. You can see the elevator close. You can all these little, little details that I, you know, was very meticulous about. Um, uh, that the fight was designed around the camera move. So that's uh, a shot that I wanted to do for years. And I wanted to do this. Uh, they basically wrote it in um, to the script for me. I pitched it a few years ago, and uh, it was written into my episode. Um, basically, you know, they said, "What? What's your dream fight?" And I said, "Well, I want to do this." Um, and then Curtis, obviously, I can't. When I'm directing, I'm I'm prepping. Well, you're prepping everything. You're looking after everything. You know, every aspect of of the episode. Um, from props to wardrobe to every, you know you have to approve you have to go to meetings locations so uh, Curtis uh, my other fight coordinator um, put this together and I'd come in you know I'd come into the fight rehearsals and I'd go oh cool oh yeah, make sure uh, you, you do this make sure we get that and we'd discuss um, I'd show him the camera move I brought him to the location I said I need the fight to go from here it has to go in here it has to come around this corner it has to go in there it has to go down there do 
they need to fall down at this point. I got to look down at the camera, do, 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 and all that kind of stuff. Um, so we worked together uh, probably a lot more than most directors would with the stunt department, obviously because I'm part of the stunt department. Um, and and uh, the fight was designed for the shot. Um, there isn't always time on television to accomplish this. Um, just because, like I said, time. Yeah. So by the time the director and the stunt department have sort of come to an agreement or a communication on on what's uh, required, uh, you're you know racing to get it done, and and um, you know you you have your rehearsal time, and and we'll I'll shoot a previs of, of my choreography usually, show it to the director for approval okay cool and then maybe the next day or two days later you know we're shooting it on set so there's not that much time to mull it over and such yeah. so um, the difference being when I'm directing uh, as soon as I read the script I'm already thinking about what obviously the action is going to be um, because that comes naturally yeah. and I'm you know throwing out ideas to my guys and this is what I want and I'm very specific about you know what I want um, action wise and uh, yeah, and so uh, the the action uh, portion of, of my episode wasn't wasn't the learning curve. That was just something that I've always wanted to do. You know, I've always wanted some other director to shoot a fight in that manner. And then you <laughs> sure. got to be the director that did it. <laughs> but I got to do yeah, I got to do it. Um, you know, I got to do it justice. I got to do it the way I, um, I thought it should be shot. Um, Glenn Winter is, is obviously someone that really knows how to capture action as well. Um, he's very visual and he knows the camera like nobody's business. So um, he's he's also been a he's been a great uh, mentor. Uh, as far as um, watching him direct was basically um, in season, you know, well season one, and then uh, in season two is when I approached. Um, Greg Berlanti and, and, and asked uh, uh, if uh, he would give me an episode, which of course he followed through with. Um, well, you know, as I say, is for anybody else who are, because one of the Twitter, fo- Twitter followers, Twitter <laughs> followers had asked about behind the scenes footage, and today we aren't going to be playing any footage, but I did find online that in 2014 I was not aware that you guys did a mini documentary, 10 minutes long, I do believe, and if I get this wrong, please correct me, James, but it's called Wirework, The Impossible Stunts of Arrow. I tried to watch it on YouTube, and it says, you must pay for this video, but there's no option to actually pay for the video to watch the video. I was really bummed. Boo, YouTube! Uh, we did, that, was a, that was a behind-the-scenes sort of a DVD extra, I believe. Oh, you have to buy the DVD to see it then. Yeah, it's either season, oh. well, season then? two. Yeah. It's not a very long hmm. one. It's a short... Uh, it's uh, it's fairly short. I oh. think. But All right. We did, I mean, we did a lot of. Um, I had like a stunt series uh, on the uh, CW website. Mm-hmm. So I um, we would uh, Curtis would send our um, finished previses to the network, and an editor there um, would. Uh, put them up against the finished product, and then I would do a, basically do a voiceover. And, we watched uh, some of those. Yeah, so I used to yeah. do that all the time, 
they stop sort of asking for them. I, you know, I, after a while, it gets, you know, worn out, I think. To some people, not to all of us. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, anyways, I, I don't know. It just happened. We had a weird screen shift. Uh, but I do have to unfortunately cut this short because we're running out of time. Uh, but thank you so much, James. I know that you are in a completely different country, so we appreciate <laughs> you staying up with us and chatting and answering a bunch of our questions. It's been an honor. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you very much. I'm, I'm you know, watching uh, movies. So. Good times. Good times. Yeah. Great way to spend a movie with us. Anyway, um, Buzzers, thank you so much for joining us as well. We appreciate it. Make sure you take the time to follow all of us, including James Bamford on Twitter. Um, I'm Boys and Beauty 01. This gentleman over here is... I am all over social media at Michael, and I really quickly actually have something to plug really fast. I am a co-producer, writer, creator, star of a new comedic web series called Us 2 that is debuting online this Friday, it's about two best friends, total doofuses with hearts of gold that really want to be a <laughs> part good. of something. Yeah. Their uh, their attempts to be part of something inevitably land them flat on their faces. We had our big premiere last night in Hollywood. Ali Kona was there. Yes, it was, it was awesome. Very exciting. We're really, really excited good. to share it with everybody. When links are up, I'm going to be posting it all over social media. So please, you guys are on the internet right now. You're on the internet all the time. So take a minute while you're looking at all the fun stuff and look at us too. Thanks. Uh, I'm Tari J. Miller. You can find me at Tari J. T-E-U-R-I-J-E-Y. And, of course, I'm Lucretia Lyon. Find it anywhere at L-A-C-R-E-T-I-A-L-Y-O-N, since there is only one. And, James, is there anything you want to plug while you're on here? No. Okay! (laughs) Well, in that case, just give all your fans a big, huge manly kiss, I guess? Or, I don't know, something goodbye? Uh, Season finale is next Wednesday. Please watch it. Um, It's epic. (laughs) <laughs> and uh, we lost a lot of sleep making that one as well so please make it worth it <laughs> no, uh, everybody's going to love the finale it's uh, it's very exciting and uh, it answers every question you've had all season so awesome well thank you so much good night sir and good night to all of you at home we will see you next week for the season finale of Arrow make sure you tune in then until then, mwah, good night, good morning, or good afternoon. Or whatever. Bye. Happy time. All of them. From executive producers Maria Manunos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other after shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Buzz you later! The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.